Welcome to Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head rent-free. Welcome to Snakes and Otters. This is episode 124. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis, sitting in the captain's chair for some unknown reason. I'm not sure how that happened. but uh, Just the normal rotation. Of my that. turn in the bucket, as they say. Yeah. It's, it's you fun. have the con. I have the con. Well, that's a good... I'd like to think that's I, a good thing. I see you very, very Sulu-like when you have the con. Oh, no. It's supposed to be Kirk, man. Come on. Don't, don't I don't, make, don't, I don't know that any of us get to Kirk. Okay, that's probably fair. I can take that. I mean, I, I'm, I'm kind of willing to be a little bit, you know, data Oh, okay. Well, if you want to go That's next. That's the one I had in my head when you said that. Yeah, or really. even, I'll even be Anson Rowe. It's okay. Uh, okay. I uh, mean, you're very Rikerish, Robert. Oh, well, that's well, that that is, the facial that's hair. That's very nice. Well, and say. I did end up with my own minuet. I have my own redhead. Well, there you go. Well, hey, there you go. So I'm stuck with being Sulu again. <laughs> <laughs> you but guys get this cool well, stuff. But, but Sulu's You could be Wesley. Come on. I mean, this is a swashbuckler. That's true. Swashbuckler. Yeah, that's, that's true. Follow Richelieu. Yeah. But, uh, no, we're not going to quote Richelieu this time. No. But we are going to quote some stuff, though. We're going to quote lots of stuff yes, here. We ought to quote Richelieu one of those times. But this is, this is Code of Honor. This is where we pull out of great quotations out of whatever bodily orifice we decide and lay them out for everybody to see. Yes, and, and it should be a very productive discussion because we're very comfortable here in the Baxter building. Yes, we are. Yes, we, we are. We're in Johnny's game room again. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we vacated Reed's lab. The experiments are just crowding us in. Yeah, and yeah. so we, we went down the hall past the negative zone uh, portal, and now we're, we're hanging out in Johnny's game room, and we're oh, yeah. very, we're very comfortable. comfortable. Yes, very comfortable. I saw so, Anilus <laughs> sitting on the toilet. you got to get him out of there. He's going to grow. Well, I know the fan is working in there, so that oh, that's get a lot that's of stink good. out. But yeah, so far, you know, the force field side, we're good. Yeah, yeah. So we don't need any of so that. This, no, this no, no. Be very, very productive because we're right. very comfortable. So who's going first? Well, because it ain't you, and because it ain't that. me. That's correct. You want to go first? Martin? Well, you're the captain. Do you want to take it? Uh, I can. I can. Uh, just kind of lay this out here. Uh, I've struggled at times. Uh, you know how I am. I always want to be fresh. I always want to be new. Something we've not done. Yep. Uh, something where it's, even though the subject matter is often, you know, we kind of gravitate towards certain things, that's okay. But I really wanted to get a little bit deeper with justice, with this quote. Mm-hmm. I really wanted to... Uh, that really follows up your Robert Kennedy, Thomas More yeah, yeah, theme from last time. <clears throat> it's something that I really want to try my best. You know, we can spend a whole lot of time on justice, and we can never do it, dare I say... Justice. So, <laughs> all right, I, I will let you have that. Judges, we need a real. Okay. Okay, that's all right. Uh, uh, that's but, a walk. All right. Yeah, yeah on base, but that was yeah, a walk. Yeah, that, that's There's so much. Wait, here, let me give you a little back. It doesn't hit his batting average, but it will hit his on base percentage. Yeah. Okay, I'll is, take is, that. What is okay. it called? OPS? Uh, that's ops. Yeah, that's on base plus slugging. Ah, uh, okay. OBP is on base percentage. Okay. Will. Anyway. Well, that it hits his OPA because it is all. It hits his on base and, and his, his slugging because he is a very capable slugger. Yes. Okay, but it was still yeah. It was all meh. It was okay. Yeah. It was so there. Anyways. He kind of had to use it, but that's okay. Yeah. But justice has been on my mind of late. Not to quote Jean Luc Picard, but I just did. Uh, it's something that I think really does speak at the heart of so much of what we talk about here, and we kind of get into the nuts and bolts of it very often. We really mm-hmm. do. What's it look like? What does real justice mean? We're very, we're very scientific in our approach about justice. I think, and I kind of want to turn that on its head a little bit, uh, mm-hmm. and, and because I like it when we turn things on their heads. That's right. Because it's 
I'm uh, we we're so a characteristic of snakes and otters is to be able to see things from multiple perspectives, and that's exactly what I want to go with. I want to talk Old about blinders. the art of justice, not the science of justice. And my quotation it is very very different. It's from Cornell West. Oh. Okay. Okay. But it's, it's it's so brief. But this nails exactly what I kind of want to think we want to explode about that. Never forget, this is quote, never forget that justice is what love looks like in public. Ooh. That Ooh. is pretty nice. Never forget I, that. I like that. That's right. Justice is what love looks like in public. And I'm thinking, that's art, folks. That's not just a system that we've agreed to live with. That is something that, at its heart, if it ain't love, it, it, you know, there's no justice. Let's define love here, though. Okay. Because in English, we have very few words for love. Other right. languages can have, you know, up to a dozen or more. Right. You know, Greek, Greek, is, Greek is, is one of the... My, my telepathic senses tell me. Yes, Greek is the primary. I mean, obviously, that's the one you and I would go to. Right, yes. Uh, for instance, uh, you know the the Corinthians reading is used in practically every freaking wedding. Yeah, you know, love is patient, love, love is, is kind, kind, blah blah blah. It's caritas mm -hmm. is the word. That's not romantic love. No. And to me, caritas should be at the heart of what that quote is. Right. Uh huh. Because caritas is the kind of love where you want the best for somebody else. Right. You want the best for, for them to be the best, to have the best. Not stuff, right? but to be the most human person they could possibly be, as we've talked about so many times on this show. Is that the reach your apotheosis? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like that. God, becoming God? $12 word in there. I mean, that's little, certainly... It's a, it's a, that has a little hint of idolatry towards that in that phraseology there. But yes, I okay. know what you're saying. It depends on which tradition you're coming from. That's right. Because, you know, from a Catholic's perspective, you are what you eat. Ooh, ooh! He swings and he hits home run out, and, and our non-Catholic friends will go, "Huh?" But that's I, I think that yeah, I think you put one in the seats. Yeah, that's right. right. Eucharistic theology, folks. Yes. Eucharistic theology. That's yes. exactly what's right. Uh, but which is also the epitome of no, but it was on base, but it's in the seats. It's a solo, yeah, it was a solo. You got, you got, yeah, you know, a solo dinger. Solo dinger, but that's fine. Runs a run. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that don't count. We're really wearing out the baseball metaphors here. Skip a bit, brother. Let's yeah. go back. But <laughs> talk to me about. It. So I like that because caritas. If if you want the best for somebody, uh, you know, obviously that, that is the, the highest form of love. Um, you know, from a Christian perspective, that should be wanting everybody you know and meet and everywhere to get into heaven because that should be the highest, best good that you can think of. Right. Uh, now, justice for Americans is a very different thing to think about. Because we have been talking about it as a science. Right. We've been talking as the mechanical mm -hmm. act of justice. Mm -hmm. And the differences Which is, in, in, in philosophies that sometimes go with that. Right. And that, I think, is at the heart of trying to understand uh, uh, love being the public expression, or justice being the public expression of love. love. Right. Uh, because we are thou shalt not. You know, right. that's our laws. Our laws are basically thou shalt not. Uh, whereas we've talked before, Roman law is, here's the ideal, yeah. and this is what you should shoot for. That's the kind of justice that I think is better for the, the, the growth and perfection of society. Not that we can ever be perfected, but, you know. We never stop trying. But we never stop trying. Don't even the extra time. Yes. 
Excellent. Very good. Yeah, because, you know, the ideal of American justice is to seek a balance between the protection of society on the one hand and the rehabilitation of the offender on the other. Uh -huh. Yes. Because it's very important in justice to believe in second chances. Absolutely. It is possible for someone who has committed a horrible act to then be rehabilitated and be productive again. Pay one's debt to society. There are many in this country that would absolutely take umbrage with that. Yeah, you I know mean, that. It, it, it is that, difficult. That they see it as punitive. And, right. Uh, in the right, fullest right. sense. Yeah. <clears throat> but you're right. A, a sense of love uh, for individual persons then demands that justice be balanced with an act towards there is a possibility of rehabilitation. Well, that's the reason there that is the statue a, of justice is both blindfolded and holding scales. Scales. There has to be a balance. Is there now, a sword in one hand and in the other hand as well? Seem to recall that. That's correct. Yes. Yeah. So, so justice is often tempered by not not just mercy, but also the uh, the the you know the iron fist and the velvet glove kind of thing. But you know, I think that justice there's different kinds of justice. Yeah. Uh, and not just you know art science uh, justice, true justice, the fullest expression of justice means that there is no need for protection and rehabilitation. Which is why that that is the ideal. Yeah, was is not just that justice is there to protect and rehabilitate, but the fullest expression of love and justice is that we no longer need that. That our relationships are so mature that we don't harm one another like that. Now that is an ideal, obviously. That right, we are right. far yeah, from. I'm not right. The pessimist in me, which is a very rare thing for me to say, would doubt that that's ever possible. Right. Because we are fallen creatures. Right. We, we, are, we are flawed. We are fallen, right. flawed Inherently so. Yeah. By our own choice. But, but should that not be what we shoot for? Well, that's, yeah, you're right. Again, again, when you talk about the fullness of the human person and realizing the potentiality of a human person, then yes, part of that should just be achievement. But then understanding your actions bear on others. Yes. You have the, uh, when we talk about justice, we also have to talk about responsibility. Absolutely. Ah, life's annoying backpack. Yes. <laughs> life's annoying backpack. I love it. Yes. I love it. Uh, because you have a responsibility. Uh, you, all of your rights have inherent responsibilities. Yes. There, are, there are no such things as unfettered rights except to breathe. Uh, and even then, if you do something wrong, certain societies will put you to death. So even that is not an unfettered right, depending on where you're at. But it's supposed to be. The right. to yeah. But there are, you know, the exercise of rights uh, should not uh, impose undue burdens on others. Yep. Uh, it can because by right of your very existence, there is going to be burdens yes. placed on others. A right can't naturally impose then a burden on others. I, I don't know about naturally. As we start talking about naturally, you start talking about natural law and things like that. It's, it gets kind of iffy. I mean, that gets deep into the philosophy, I think. And, well, and, our, and our he's opening the door. Let's, yeah, that's true. Well, there's no problem with that. That's true. Well, and and our uh, uh, inherent uh, obligations to one yeah. another, uh, yeah. because if you're in a community and we all are, there are inherent obligations to one another. Mm -hmm. So you can make the argument that yes, some natural rights do yeah. oblige. So where does getting out of the left lane on the highway fit in? 
that's pretty high up there. When they, to me, that's that's an absolute moral obligation. Get out of the left lane. Especially if you got your left turn signal on and you're going 40 miles an hour. Because that guy gets on everybody's nerves. Hazard navigation. Hazard navigation. <laughs> well, that guy is not being just. Right. You're so, you know, what is the protection there? I mean, you want to rehabilitate him because you want him to stop doing it. But does it really mean you throw him in jail? You give him, a, you, you get a cop to pull him over and give him a ticket for, yes. for dangerous driving. That's, 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 you know, there's that balance that you mentioned. Yes. Yeah, right. Commensurate is the word it comes from. Right. Learning the lesson. Because applied justice, when we're talking about correctional justice, should always have an eye towards the rehabilitation. Yes. Yeah. And to, to be true justice. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to vindictiveness. And, yes. And this is, uh, you know, we've had this discussion in, in some ways before. Uh, I don't think we've ever really done it on the show. Um, all three of us at one time were very pro-death penalty. Uh, you know, had no problem with the application of it. Mm -hmm. uh, after my conversion, uh, I came to change my mind because uh, the death penalty is applied almost exclusively as punitive. Correct. Yeah. That's my biggest problem with it. Now, my other big problem with it is you you artificially cut off someone's possibility of repentance. Mm -hmm. uh, and as, as our church now teaches, it, it, certainly in the I think the implications in the West, because again, if you know you're in a, in, in a small, isolated community in the in South America, and you got somebody that goes on a murderous rampage, you may have no other choice yeah. than to put him to death to protect your society. There's no system available. There is no system available to incarcerate that person. Uh, and, you know, take it to the extreme. You're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. Somebody turns or is about to turn. I do not think it would go against justice to take care of that person either ahead of time or, you know, after. Because, you know, because there's a danger to somebody that you cannot mitigate. Yeah. Well, the Wild West is a great example of that. When you turn loose all these killers from the Civil War and send them out west... You know, you're hanging them left and right because they're killing people left and right because they have all their moral compassing is gone because of which what is witnessed. Yeah, which is a failure of justice and in, 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 in the as the public expression of love. It because is. we have failed yes. them. In yes. Correct. And yes. but we were, and we as a society at the time was probably unwilling to admit that. I don't think our or, or I think not sure our conceptions of this are are relatively new in the modern yeah, world. they are. I think so. Um, I, yeah. I think philosophers would, we could probably find these right. ideas for a long time. Again, you're talking Cornell West, a contemporary. Yes. You're not, this is not a 14th century thing. I mean, it... This but it is, has its roots there. Yeah, it does. Right. It has its roots in Aquinas. It has its roots in Aristotle. But it is a modern, a modern condensation Collectivization, Ugh, terrible word. Um, well, you know, it, it fits here. It works. Yeah, uh, of, of an idea of, again, summation. Yeah, if, if, you, if you have a love for your fellow human being, regardless of race and creed and color, like we're supposed to, then yes, we understand there is a punitive and protective nature of justice. That's love for the victims still important and there is a, a, lo a love for the convicted as well that must be an eye towards it's humane treatment must humane be treatment and, and yeah nobody right. should be sentenced to what 
prisoners often experience. That's your your sentence is not what Andy went through at Shawshank. Your sentence is to be confined from the rest of society. And, and yeah, it's, and, and often had very horrible things done to you. Yeah, that's not the sentence, but it's it's inherent. In right. It. Again, it, right. Your so sentence is not should not be what Andy Dufresne went through at Shawshank. It should be separation from the rest of society. But and even so, even with that, I, I think we fail there in yeah. many ways because often we produce better criminals uh, for the hardest elements. Not yeah. always, because uh, you know. Some guys go in there and they do a hard time and they're scared straight. Great. That's, that's what is always wished for, but far often. But far often that's, that's not the case. <laughs> and, and some come out and are not able to handle the, you know, the open, non-regimented life. Right. Uh, like the old guy who gets the parole in Shawshank. And what was his name? Um, Boyd, right? No, I thought it was something. Diggs or something like that. I don't know. It's the old guy. Yeah, he's been incarcerated for like 40 years. Yeah. And yeah. so he goes to this little boarding room that is his halfway house, what we call it today, and he eventually hangs himself. Can't handle not being in this regimented environment. Right. And you've got uh, the, the, the uh, oh, uh, Andy's friend. Um, Morgan Ray. Freeman. Morgan Freeman, Red. Uh, you know, he gets out and he raises his hand to go to the bathroom. You know, when he's at the checkout, because uh, he, he has to ask permission, because that's what he's used to. 30 years, he couldn't take a piss, he said, without asking for permission. And it, it's, so we do them a disservice currently, uh, while we try to, to service the one half. Uh, yeah. It's a very flawed system, especially with the uh, privatization. But that's an entirely different Yeah, thing. whole other. That's a whole there. other. Um, well, yeah, we're we're fifteen minutes in, boys. We probably ought to shift gears and hand it over to to Mark. Yeah. We're going to hand it over. That's to a me. great quote, though. I, I love that. that yeah. That's got I mean, so it's, many instances. I know the Holy Spirit brought that one to me, boys. Good stuff. Yeah, start looking, and we find it. He's a pretty good author. <coughs> yes, indeed. Yeah, wrote a bestseller. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, a salute to Cornell West. All right. So, Otter writes. My turn, and the guys have pretty much told me, "Hey." You've got one you really need to do, and that's the one from my recent Martin Monday post where I have, of course, a, a hugely important movie to this crowd here, uh, Apocalypse Now. Oh, here, here. Absolutely. Um, and John Milius in his writing, the scene is that Willard, Martin Sheen, is reading a letter that Kurtz, Marlon Brando, Marlon Brando has written to his son explaining his actions. The army has intercepted that letter, did not send it on, and provided it to Willard in the dossier so Willard would know what was going on and why he was to terminate with extreme prejudice. I knew you were going to say that. That's right. Well, I'm glad you did because I did. Oh, no, 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 you had to. Because yeah. that's, that's the line. It's the only, the only line that this character utters in the entire movie. He's just yeah. there in the, early on, and that's... Uh, you don't know who he is. His name is Jerry. They mentioned that. That's, yeah. You don't know anything until they, Willard gets his assignment. We need you to terminate the colonel. He goes, what? Terminate the colonel and this guy, Jerry, who is apparently some sort of covert operations yeah, guy. It's just, yeah, hinted that he's CIA. Maybe. Right, exactly. So that's all he says is terminate with extreme right. prejudice, which is more than, you know, we don't just want to kill him. We want to send a message to anybody like him that thinks that they can go off on their own. Yeah. 
don't you do this or we will kill you. Yeah, that's all very nice, but we still haven't actually heard his quote. I know. But <laughs> <laughs> it up here. That's great. Well, he's turning my quote into his with the Francis preamble. Yeah. Anyway, the line from the letter, again, is cursed to his son. Uh, Kurt has been charged with murder. Kurtz has been charged with murder. And he says, as for the charges against me, I am unconcerned. I am beyond their timid lying morality and so no longer care. And so the guys have really picked up on the, I am beyond their timid lying morality. Uh, obviously, when you flow from justice, the next question from justice is morality. Right. right. What do you what base is, justice on? Yeah. What is morality? What does that mean to be a moral person? Justice is the application of morality. Yes. And, and of course, these guys, we've talked Thomas More. These guys are Aquinas people. We've talked Aristotle. Um We've done Nietzsche. We've done Nietzsche. So, of course, to me, this was a very Nietzschean quote. Right. Oh, very much so. And yeah. I thought, you know, this is definitely, uh, Milius had to have been well, somebody, he had to have studied Nietzsche he at did. some point. He actually, he did. In fact, if you might remember his movie, Conan the Barbarian, it begins with the Nietzschean quote, the most famous of all, that which does not kill us makes us stronger. <laughs> uh, uh, he, uh, Milius is a huge devotee of Nietzsche. Which, so, that's what he's channeling here. Yeah, somewhere. he's definitely channeling this idea of what is morality? Where, you know, the old morality has failed us. What is our new morality? And he's setting Kurtz up to be this person who's beyond what the general at Natrang and this these other people, what they thought, what their, their thinking is. And even the, the general in giving uh, Willard the assignment is talking about you know, practical military necessity, the new morality, these things are in conflict, and we don't always end up with he's what Lincoln to, called the better angels of our nature. Yeah, he's out there beyond the pale, and he's still commanding troops, yeah. that sort of thing. And so... Try to justify this, in many respects, unjustifiable order that they're yeah. giving him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, giving, you know, this order to assassinate an officer in your own army. Mm -hmm. And and telling Willard, uh, you realize this operation does not exist and will never exist. Right. Um, but the guys, of course, you know, have really latched onto this with me, this this idea, and we, of course, we have posted on it. Robert followed it up really well, but yeah, it just it sinks the hooks in me. This idea of okay, there's there's a certain morality, but what is the origins? What are, where do you derive a derive a morality? And you know, a lot of people would say, "Well, because I grew up in church, or this or that." But what if you didn't? How do you arrive then at what's right, what's wrong? Of course, Nietzsche's answer is it's an intellectual exercise. You build yourself intellectually. Again, that's what Kurtz has said he's done. You know, he's built himself intellectually. Beyond the generals at the train. That's a flawed argument, in my opinion, because yeah. no man is an island, meaning you are influenced by everything around you. It is impossible to build up your own morality that is not influenced by everything you know and have seen. Right, right. Yeah. And that still fits Nietzsche as well, because uh, Nietzsche's in this experiential tradition, like a John Locke, of... You, you know, your your experiences, your perspective influence what you are. 
and that's going to influence your intellectual development of this morality of where you are. Um, Which is what kind of the whole story about Kurtz is. It says in there that he's split from the whole program. Yeah, uh, which is exactly why he's seen as insane, which is where the whole conversation starts. It's that he's yeah. gone insane. Yeah, uh, because he has lost his moral center. He has he has completely gone rel- relativistic on this. It's his own moral. Yeah. Anything, and he's gone and, beyond. And the the general at the train can't understand it, right? Because um, he's working off of a agreed upon sense of morality. Right. Because. And what Kurtz did to start this is he ordered an assassination unauthorized. Uh, that's what that's what pulled the trigger that says, well, we can't have that. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where they realized it's more than just saying things. Kurtz proved they were double agents. Right. And, but and, officially back in the train, they were not. They which, were which, South which, Vietnamese. There's that beautiful, they were allies. There, that beautiful ambiguity of the whole thing is that Kurtz did exactly what he said he was going to do for the right reason because to win the war with no limits, you do that. Yeah. And there's no political sideways or any right. sort of stuff going on. And hence the dichotomy of well, which course then is moral. Right. The 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 conventional that the general at the train is in, yeah. or is Kurtz's path the more moral one because he saved lives. That's right. He ends the war quicker. Yeah. In his, in his mind. Because it's that, you know, Willard ends up saying, well, I guess he must have hit the right four people. Right. Because enemy activity in his sector dropped off to nothing, and he was no longer taking casualties. Right. He saved the lives of his men. But it was such an extreme action that then it appeared not just immoral, but then insane. Right. To be, quote, you know, the civilized normies. people. Yeah, the normies, the civilized people. So it, it, there's just so many layers to this quote and so many things where you you struggle to find then what is the meaning of morality. And timid and lying, lying's probably a little strong, but timid is well, a timid morality of we're not going to go beyond the and, and that's canons what, of this that's particular the, the money shot with, with court, yeah. that quote for Kurtz is because he recognizes and you find this out of course in the movie that he recognizes there can be no compromise absolute warfare means the absolute destruction of the enemy at all times and you have to lay aside conventional morality because the enemy has already done that. they've already done it again Which, that, that very famous that famous line, they went yeah. in behind us and hacked off all the inoculated arms right which is kind of like the part where Kurtz himself goes insane is the break yeah and to, to to a psychiatrist that would be the 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 break point of the the psychotic break but it is it really and irony irony Kurtz recognizes it as the break point yeah. and all of a sudden he says it hit me like a diamond bullet and all of a sudden I knew the genius of that yeah because that's how you win the war which, of course, is the entire premise See, of the movie, exists. is that everything's insane. Yeah. Like they said, all the children are insane from, from the doors <laughs> yeah. to the beginning. Yeah. That's what it's about. The, yeah. whole, the whole idea is insane. Yeah, accusing a man of murder and is like handing out speeding tickets at the, the Indy 500. 500. Yeah, the, the, so. the whole movie is plethoric, you know, pop yeah. with all that. Yeah. So I've been sitting here silent for most of this, because this is fantastic. <laughs> Sorry, fantastic. but I, no, 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 I love no. the movie so much. No. But because it, it was working. Anyway. Yeah, it, it was flowing. I didn't, didn't want to interrupt. Uh, but what I do want to say is this. I want to go back to uh, the point of my follow-up post. post. Yes. Because my, the point of my follow-up post is, you know, whose morality are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's part of the problem. 
Because in the discussion you guys had, it was absolutely inherent and implicit that there were competing moralities, mm -hmm. and it was implicit but not uh, or inherent but not necessarily uh, uh, a given that the various moralities were of relatively equal value. Right. And right. that's a problem to yep. me. Yep. Because when you start asking whose morality, then you start getting into specifics. Because as I put in my post, I don't think there is such a thing as multiple moralities. Mm -hmm. I think there is a universal. Right. right. And that is the question. Which, How can there be? That's right. Which in both cases, the general's morality and Kurtz's morality, they are in opposition to each other, but neither is real. Right. Because so, they both stem from immoral. They are both immoral. Exactly. They are both immoral. They're judged differently. And, judged and I get, you know, in, in the heat of battle, uh, often uh, your instinct for self-preservation throws all your morals out the window. Right. I get that. That's not where I'm going with this. I'm not saying that he wasn't justified in any way, or it's not, under, not understandable they, that he, in he did. Both, he did. In both cases, they are they are extremely premeditated. Yeah, they've thought through everything. Exactly, and come to opposite conclusions. So when we start talking about being beyond their lying timid morality, uh, anything that is not the true morality, and I know a lot of people listening is going to even guys that are, are women that are all aboard with you know, full-on being autorites. They're going to balk at this because we have been taught for several decades now that you can't legislate morality. And I didn't use this in my, my post. And I thought about it after. I was like, oh, why didn't I use that? Because legislating morality is exactly what laws do. That's, that's the function. What else is there for that's, that's exactly what they are. That's yeah. all that they are. That's all that they yeah. are. So that, 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 every law we're talking is about an expression. Oxymoron. Yeah, every law is an expression of some morality, exactly. whether it's a budget law or healthcare law or anything, it's an expression of some type of ethic. Yeah, at the very least, it's an ethic. If not, it's or it's somebody's idea of what of what is moral, of yeah. what a moral society yeah. should look. The like. intention of the of the quote should be you about the, the law does not guarantee moral behavior on people. Well, yeah, I mean, I don't know if that should be the intention of that particular quote, but well, I, to me, I think what it, for him it recognizes that he defines his own morality. Or he has come up with a new one that supersedes it, is the way it seems to me. Yeah. yeah. But for me, the quote means, I am beyond your lying, timid lack of morality. Because if everything is relative, if we can't legislate morality, it is no morality. It's a free-for-all. Mm -hmm. And when we look at society, yeah, we, we got more laws than we've ever had. Yeah. But our human interactions are free-for-all anymore. Yeah. Well, I think the quote itself is Kurtz's way, Melius giving voice to Kurtz, of saying, you're calling this morality, but it ain't. It's lying and timid. Right. And well, there's and an irony. For all, because there's, that's there's another a, part of what the, Willard says is, well, no wonder Kurtz put it such a weed-up command's ass. The whole war's being run by four-star clowns. We're going to give the whole circus away. Again, they're making moral decisions that then are a total disaster in the conduct of a moral war. Right, which is in complete, absolute antithesis to the goal, the only goal of war, which is to win. To win. Which right. is what's something that Kurtz has figured out. Yeah. So, <clears throat> this lying, timid morale, I love that phrase. It's such a wonderful phrase to me because... And incredibly Nietzschean, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's so wonderful because... 
I think it recognizes, uh, maybe it doesn't intend to, but the way I interpret it is it recognizes there is a true morality. And anything that is not is lying and timid by its very nature. It's lying because it's it's not the true one, so it's false. Right. That's that's a form of lying. Whether it's intentional or not, it's a form of a lie. Yep. It is timid because it's almost always self-centered in some way. And it's always mm -hmm. focused on one aspect of what is an overall what might be the overall morality, what is true morality, often they'll take something that is good and right and expand that all beyond beyond all due proportions. Yeah, yeah. charging Kurtz with murder because murder is wrong. Right. But Which is what they charge him with. But that's, right. of course, there's the reversal. Right. They end up doing exactly what they accuse him of. Precisely. And right. using that very reasoning to justify what they're doing. Right. I mean, that's, 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 that's a beautiful example. circle. That's, that's alias. Justice, yeah. yeah. So it has... Yeah. So... Robert, we're going to turn this over to you for your quote. Um, how about before we do that? Uh, the bourbon break. Yes, yes let's go for that. We needed the bourbon break because we always like to have a nice, nice, nice brief bourbon before Robertius Malarius hammers us home. Yes. So, yes, yes. before Robertus Malarius takes off with us, I am uh, drinking uh, Russell's. Reserve. Oh, you did. Would oh. you hand the pass the bottle oh, that's oh, on your right? The bottle's yes, beside you, Mister Howard. Oh, yes, he finished it. Oh, yes, yeah, so he finished it. Yes, there was uh, about one good slug left in the Russell's Reserve ten-year-old. Uh, I have had this before. I believe it to be a very, very high-quality bourbon. I like it. Um, woodsy, not overpowering, not a ton of maple syrup uh, or or caramel or any of that, but just maybe a hint. Um, Stays on the tongue well and has a nice warmth uh, all the way down. So they're Russell Reserve 10-year-old. We'll have to buy that one again because I, yes. I, I know I had a little of it, not very much at all. Uh, I'm not sure what like There's a bit of a sip in there. There's a sip left. You're absolutely right. Oh. Well, I'll have to... I'll have to make sure we don't have another glass. Well, I'll have to finish what I have then. Next episode or so, I'll, yes. I'll, I'll finish that up. We can probably make Francis, that work. Francis, you go ahead. What did you have? I went back to Basil Hayden. You know, we uh, we cracked that bottle last episode, and it's, it's, it stands there commanding me to, you know, there's a reason it's my favorite. Uh, and it's not just, you know, the genealogical connection. It's, it is it is so smooth. Yes. And it, I mean, it's, it's, there's a reason it's one of the best. Yeah. Well-aged. Well-aged. Uh, it's 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 got it's got power and yet it's got yeah. light touch. Uh, the way you describe Russell's is actually one of the ways I would describe the Basil Hayden. Uh, you know, the way it sits in the mouth and that that warmth that uh, that burn for lack of it. It's not a burn because it's mild. Oh, it's very. Mild. It's just a it's just a warmth. That very warm, much so. Yes, uh, uh, it's, it goes no down your there. Yeah, yeah. That's one of the smoothest bourbons that you'll find, in my opinion. But that's what you're. Yeah, that's what I'm drinking as well. I, I it's one of my favorites. Yes, yes, but the first bourbon I ever had. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, starting out with that, you know, that's what you, you never forget your first love, right? That's right. That's, that's right. Why not? Yeah. Then again, you might. <laughs> Some first loves are worth forgetting, uh, perhaps. Depends, no, on, depends, on, depends on how crazy that first one is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So <clears throat> go ahead, Robert. So we've talked about justice and we've talked about morality. Guys, could you just put it on a T for me or what? Yeah, I mean, yes. I mean, I mean the, this is my... Get the driver out. You know, th this is... I mean, this, this is just my wheelhouse. I love this kind of discussion. And the quote that I came up with 
uh, out of my list. Uh, it's not one that I had marked as a you know, major potential one, but I think it, it, I can make this one work in here uh, very well. So it's uh, by somebody named Mark Kane. I have no idea who that is. I got this from a list of quotes on the internet, uh, so it must be true. Somebody named Mark Cain must have said it. That's right. Well, Abraham Lincoln tells us this. Yes. That's right. It's on the uh, internet. It must be true. The first step toward success is taken when you refuse to be a captive of the environment in which you first find yourself. Ooh. Okay. Bears repeating. The first step toward success is taken when you refuse to be a captive of the environment in which you first find yourself. Now... I like this because, it, to me, it's a very motivating kind of quote. Active. Yeah. But I think if you take that word success, you can substitute that for justice, morality, uh, any good that you are aiming for. Yeah. So the success, what is, success in what? Think beyond material success. Yes. Of course. You must think beyond material success because there's far more to the world than, than that. And so... I love this, refuse to be a captive of the environment in which you first find yourself. I love that for so many reasons, because it is so true uh, for so many people. When you just talk about just you talk about the material success aspect of it, so many people are a captive of uh, their environment, whether it's their mental environment, their physical environment, uh, their family life, uh, you know, all of these kinds of things going to uh, shaping us. And quite often... And I think this implies a dramatic success, you know, mm -hmm. just, you know, getting a job at the local, fa and there's not there's anything wrong with a local factory, you know, just getting right. your yes. basic job at a local factory or getting an office job somewhere, something that everybody does everywhere, every day, is not necessarily what this is talking about. Because when you refuse to be a captive of that environment, to me, that implies that you are seeking to better yourself or better society, because uh, I think it goes as big as that. And you're willing to go beyond their blind, timid morality uh, in one sense. So the big sin would be stagnation. Can be, yeah. Is that, yeah. Is that what this is? You think uh, this is what I, I think so, because uh, stagnation, uh, you're either li you're living or you're dying. Well, that's right. You're growing, you're, actually, you're growing or you're dying. Get busy living or get busy dying. Exactly. Yeah, well, I mean... Uh, Augustus McRae, it ain't, it ain't dying. I'm talking about it. it's living, right? It's the same. So, thing. you know, if you are if you're growing, uh, every organism grows until it dies. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, some some of us we grow you know, wider, <laughs> uh, but you know, obviously we don't keep getting taller and taller and taller. Uh, we may get fatter and fatter and fatter, but the the point is that you're getting uh, more fully yourself. Is the way I take that. You know, I the love that change. that idea. Constant change. Yeah. Constant should be uh, it's Japanese principle: constant, never-ending improvement. Improvement, yes, that's that's the better uh, way to put it. That's, that's right. the the best yeah. way to put it. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe they call it kanai, uh, or no, that's the acronym. Uh, is it kaizen? Is it kaizen they call it? Kaizen. That might yeah, be right. I think it's kaizen. The acronym is kanai: constant, never-ending improvement. And uh, you know, you have to step out of your comfort zone. Yeah. And that's that's often the environment you're captive of when you're when you're in that comfort zone, uh, and that comfort zone can be anything. It can be that false morality that we have subscribed to, sometimes knowingly. Yeah. Sometimes we we think because because it's comfortable because it serves us. Yeah. Yes, that's right. We adopt. As a matter of fact, if you adopt a lying, timid morality, 
it's always because it serves you. Either it serves you directly or it serves you by keeping you alive for not rejecting it. Yeah. Because sometimes rejecting that lying to morality gets you killed. Or at least or, gets the, or the order to be killed. an outcast. Yeah, or you're outcast. Yeah. Which I mean, in early societies is the same as a death sentence. Right. right. I mean, think yeah. of, uh, you know, the classic Westerns. Uh, somebody get a rope. You know, and then there's that one guy that says, nope, we're not doing that. We're staying trial first. We're going to stand trial. We're going to do this the right way. And then we'll hang up. And then, you know, that person becomes kind of this outlier, this outcast of the community. That's right. Even when the cowboys come up to him and say, turn him loose. Well, I'm not. We're quoting Tombstone here, folks. I've slipped right into it. And, you know, it's, there is that element of justice in this, too. Yeah. Uh, Because stepping outside of of that comfortable environment uh, to strive towards that success, whatever it may be. Uh, you know, I am presuming it's the betterment of yourself and humanity because that is the ultimate ideal to strive for is to better yourself and humanity. And so uh, to me, that is the same as saying yeah. it is the <clears throat> public expression of love because you do it out of love, wanting the best for everyone else. Yeah. Carry toss. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, it is also justice. Which these things are always outwardly focused. Yes. Inwardly focused is always wrong. I depending I'm quite see because you for me not to not to try to knock Robert down a peg, because I, I love the direction it's going in, but improving humanity is a pretty big job. Yeah, that might be uh be beyond a you know a regular guy from Fern Creek, but if I can make myself better, even a little bit at a time, and I can make moral decisions, and I can become a more intellectually fulfilled and vibrant person, then hopefully I am influencing society in a positive way. Right. That, that's part and parcel of what I'm talking about. It doesn't, yeah, it doesn't yeah. necessarily have to be a grandiose I don't have to be Mother plan. Teresa. Yeah. Right. No. Uh, well, you know, you it's, uh, you can be fo- inwardly focused, but you cannot be exclusively inwardly right. focused. I think because, that's where, where, yeah. Absolutely. Because you have to be able to accept, to a little theological here, you have to be able to accept the grace Yes. to be able to live out that baptismal call to love your fellow man. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, you can love your fellow man without that baptismal call, obviously. Of course. Uh, uh, but, you know, there's still, an, from a, a theological perspective, there's still that element of grace that has to be accepted to be able to do good because of our fallen nature. Right. Uh, Left so, to our own devices, we will be fighting each other for scraps of meat. Right. I mean, the flies. Exactly. Well, I was, well you know, uh, I forget who said it, but I, I still think it's true. Uh, I, women are the closest to divine in humanity because <laughs> they are not just because they're fun to look at. They're the civilizing influence. They're the civilizing That's influence. Right. That's right. You know, they're the they're, civilizing they're influence. Their nurturing on nature makes it much more difficult for them to be injurious of others. Exactly. Whoa. Man, that that's some heavy lifting stuff right there. That's so funny. and again, and that points back to a universal morality. So I think there are things that are always true no matter what. You know, murder is wrong. And by murder, I mean, you know, not just killing. Right. You know, murder for no reason, for selfish gain, 
Whatever you're talking about. Murder. The word itself carries yeah. with it the implication of... You're wronging somebody. It's, it's, now, it's wrong, it's wrong. throw the death penalty <coughs> argument out of that. that. That's a separate argument. Because we are two of us already stipulate that, that that's a non-starter in society today. For us. For those that it's not, I understand the position. Because I held it. Yeah. But, you know, that just muddies the... the, the the philosophical waters here. I want to stick at a little bit higher level. But that universal, you know, we don't steal from one another. Cultures do not grow up without certain laws, including you can't kill anybody. You can't steal from anybody. We really don't even like you to covet somebody's neighbor, uh, you know, the neighbor's wife. Because that's the root of it anyway, is coveting. Yes. First principles, Marcus Aurelius Exactly. Man, we even brought in Marcus Aurelius. Man, Love it! Man. Love it! You on fire. Well, I, I'm stealing from Hannibal Lecter, which might not be... An That's close enough. It oh, sounds no. good enough. Yeah. Read um, you know, Marcus Aurelius. For what do we do? We, we first begin to covet. Right. We want something that is not that's, ours. That's the root Again, of these sins. Is we focus coveting. inward. Uh, you you right. want to talk about the root of sin. You know, what is the root of sin? Pride. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I deserve it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's uh, always focused on the self. Focus on the self. Who are you to have a $35,000 seat at the Met Gala? I'm just as good as you. I could have one as well. Exactly. And you're willing to, and you know, and of course, we're, here's where it goes off the rails. Is, and some people are willing to kill somebody else for that stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Out of revenge because they don't, they have something they do not. Yeah. That's where the law has to be the arbiter of this is acceptable and this is not. Right. To bring Good laws. Because as we saw in our last episode, yeah. you know, that uh, uh, coveting what the Jews had by Hitler and his cronies right. uh, led to the Holocaust. That's right. So, so I mean, law must, must law and is supposed to yes. serve both justice and morality. Protect and serve. That's what they put on the police you got it. That's right. That's what it's so, supposed to do. There is universal morality. You know, all <coughs> cultures have common rules that they try to live by. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I don't know if... Now, the ones that allow murder, you know, like honor killings and what have you. Honestly, I believe that's a perversion. It is. Yeah, uh, it is. You know, it, it, it's not yeah. an outlier because, you know, such a huge quantity of people yeah. subscribe to that. Well, that's therein lies the problem is sometimes the democratic way of doing it, just because we all agree on something, does not make it right. Right. And that's where kind of where that sort of thing. There's that perversion. Yes. Where it comes well, it's that yeah. entire country going insane. That's, yeah, exactly. yeah. that's right. Same thing. Yes. Majority rule, minority rights. You know, that's the thing that if a well-functioning democracy is the wolves deciding what's for dinner, but the sheep having a veto. Yes. <laughs> yes. That's, that's the, uh, uh, that's the, the democracy turning into the Republic. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, justice, morality, and stepping outside that environment that you're captive of, you know, it really does go together. Because all of these outside forces that make us captive, mm -hmm. they're almost always going to be some form of injustice and a false morality. Yes. And that's why we have to step out of that environment that, it's being held, that we're being held captive in. Because those conditions exist. They're preventing us from doing good and being yeah. better than we are. It's okay to stand toward history yelling stop. Yes. Yeah. It, it, More people should try it. Yeah. 
That's right. And, and I get sometimes people are afraid for all the right reasons. Nevertheless, uh, we must. Be brave and take heart. That's right. Man. Oh, we, we nailed it. Well boy done. That was a, a, a tremendous episode. And I didn't even get to tell another story about Dr. Speliotis and Bellarmine University and Alumni Weekend. That's all right. We'll save for the next episode. We did it really well. So I guess that takes us to Francis. What is next, buddy? What is the next episode? What's Heroes next time? And uh, we've talked about his work many, many times. He's my, one of my favorite authors, and I know that Martin really likes him. Robert, I don't know that actually. I don't know much. that you've ever read. So you know, you can kind of be the voice of those who do not know. Yeah. As to what you know, what is so great about this, Bernard Cordwell. Uh, my lord, the man has written you know hundreds of books, and he uh, will tell a little bit about his story of how he came to be there. Uh, he has written the Sharp series. Uh, that actually, as we record this, is getting ready to have another uh, another book. Uh, finally, he's returned back to it after about a decade. Uh, he's done the Saxon series, the Last Kingdom series. Both of these have been adapted on television, so you've seen that. Plus, he's written many, many other books. This guy is an amazing fellow. Uh, he's he's just somebody that I would love to sit. And he does drink bourbon, by the way. I would, <laughs> yes, he's he's a big bourbon. Authors should drink bourbon. That's right. Uh, and and, and have an occasional cigar. You, you can you can see his uh, his videos uh, on. Uh, interviews and things like that on Facebook, on YouTube, places like that. But that's who we're going to talk about. That's who we're going to talk about next time. He's wonderful. Hope you enjoyed another pointless discussion of eternal questions. Remember, new episodes publish every Friday at noon Eastern. Spread the word. We're on all the major podcast platforms. And leave us a comment or review because that helps others find us. We're on Instagram, Twitter, as well as our website, snakesandotters.com. I'm Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Join us next week, same snake time, same otter channel.